Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. Today, I want to minister uh, before it gets too hot outside. I want to minister on where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? That, that's a good question, isn't it? Uh, matter of fact, it's such a wonderful, polite question that it would be nice for you to ask your friend on either side of you and not wait for an answer so that we can stay in the flow. But, but, but say, neighbor, <laughs> where is your treasure. Wow. So that the person on the other side won't think you like the other person better than them, would you turn to them and smile? Show what you have left, your 32s, your 16s, your 8s, amen. It'll make it, your dentures, whatever, whatever it is. Just, just show off. And say, neighbor, where is your treasure? That's a good question. What is it that I treasure? Because what I treasure will get my time. As a matter of fact, I can give time to what I treasure even when I'm tired. I mean, I can, I, can, I can be working and say, I'm so tired when I get home, I'm going straight to bed and get home and see something that I treasure. And for just out of nowhere, I get, I start feeling like Superman. Even if it's to watch my favorite program that I said at work, I wasn't going to look at it today. But, I, but as tired as I physically am, when I get around or I get exposed to something that I treasure, I get renewed strength. It's just like coming to church. I know some of you won't say it, but there are times physically I'm tired. And, and I want to call the church and tell them, pick somebody in the congregation to preach. But it's something about pressing in. Ooh, Jesus, I'm going to shout myself. And when I get here, and then I hear the songs that are going up to the Lord, I get uh, revived. I, I start feeling like Superman. I get supernatural strength. And, and then all of a sudden, my mind changes, and I say, boy, I'm so glad I came. I'm so glad that I did not allow my flesh to win today that I pressed on into the house of God. Now am I so glad I came, but the word that went forth was just for me. And the devil and my flesh was trying to rob me of what God had to speak to me on this Sunday morning. But blessed be Jesus, we're here today. And the title of the message is, come on. Where's your treasure? Now, it's going to be somewhat revolutionary when I exergize the text today 
because for some of you, it's going to really mess with your theology. And, um, but that's good if your theology is being messed with with truth. Amen? Well, I'm feeling something. Look at the screen. Where is your treasure? We're going to see something today. Because we have so misunderstood this simple passage of scripture that we read, some of us, a multiplicity of times. But we did not fully benefit from what Jesus was trying to convey to us because we were trying to understand, oh God, are you all ready? We were trying to understand this Hebrew, Jesus was a Hebrew. Did you hear me? And we are trying to understand what this Hebrew is endeavoring to convey to us. But many times we get stuck trying to understand this Hebrew with a Western mind. And so we have a lot of challenges in the church, particularly today, because a lot of things that we hear today and we've heard for I don't know how many, perhaps hundreds of years, but if you were to be honest, we should see more change in the world today than what we see. No, let me back up. We should see more change in the church. How can the church still be so hateful and so prejudiced and bigoted? How come in 2023 you can't find a church with a black pastor with a lot of white folks attending? Don't, don't, don't get scared on me. I'm going to go somewhere else, but I'm, 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 I'm setting it up for you. Why is it that by and large, when you see or when they talk about diversity in the church, how come it has to be a white pastor with a bunch of black folk? How come it can't, how come it can't be the other way if we're all in the body? Is it perhaps that what we preach and teach really doesn't bring us together, but it divides us? And I go on record today, is it still July? Is it 2023? I go on record today on a Sunday morning and say the reason that by and large that you don't see much difference in the church and her issues and problems as you do in the world is because we're not preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Because the gospel of the kingdom brings people together. Once we come into the kingdom, we drop our differences. Because in the kingdom, there's neither black or white, Jew or Gentile. But for some reason, in the Western world, 
with all of our preaching and teaching, it divides us. It divides us so much that we have in the Western Hemisphere, we have black churches, white churches, Korean churches, and it's not in the Bible. Ooh, Jesus. Ooh, God. Are, are you all listening to me? Oh, I want to go somewhere, but my wife's not here to support me. And, and you all may leave me hanging. Nugget number one. Nugget number one. Yeah. Everything in the church is uncomfortable right now. Because God is forcing change. He's been waiting on us so long, it's clear to him, we're not going to do it on our own. So, everything is upside down right now. And we're in a season of change. Can I talk to you today? We're in a season of change. That's what's got the Western Hemisphere all upset. And why America is all discombobulated. There are key, key phrases that you hear. Not just in the secular world, but you hear it in the church. As, as a matter of fact, I don't want to be political at all, but, but I must make this statement for clarity today. And, and that is, if President Obama, former President Obama, done half the stuff, if President Obama lived in a house like they show the former president, that house he's got down there in, in Florida, if that was President Obama's house, that they were showing, this country would be in an uproar. If President Obama, now he done some bad things, I hadn't been quiet about it, but I want to make another point today. If President Obama would have said publicly half the things that this guy is running for trying to get office again, if he'd have done half, if he'd have said grab the leg, Just grab a leg, she'll let you. If he'd have said that, they'd have put him out of office. They would have said he was vile, uncouth, and not fit for the office. So we wonder how, how Christendom can get behind a person who has been so vile can this man still have 30-something million people who said that he could kill somebody uh, in New York 
on Broadway. And he said he wouldn't go to jail. Nobody in history of this nation has ever said the things this man has said. And this country stands behind him. There was a man a few years ago, don't hold me to the year, but he was running for the presidency of the United States out of Colorado and was going to win. And then he got busted for having uh, said something or an affair with a woman. And as a result of that, this nation decided he was not fit for office because they said he was not a morally correct man. And he fell in the polls and dropped out of running for the president of the United States. I go on record to say the only reason this man who was the president of the United States, who last name started with a T, the only reason he got in office was because of the predecessor. This country wanted something so directly the opposite in every way. And a man ran for office and won who perhaps, whose IQ is perhaps lower than any president we ever had in the United States of America. But this country was so desperate in getting somebody in office that reminded them that they were in power. Talk, preacher, talk. Because, and this is not political, this is Bible. You see, the reason that the world and the church run so parallel and that when certain issues become uh, an issue of discussion that the world and the church, the leadership of the church, they all stay on the same plane. Because at the end of the day, it's not Jesus. At the end of the day, it's not America, the country, because America is not a country. America is a business. And business is about power. In America, everything's for sale. Ooh, Jesus. You can go to Dubai and enjoy, enjoy Dubai, and you can, you know, you can, you know, enjoy all the festivities of Dubai, but you can't buy land in Dubai unless you're a Dubaian. Why? Because they know if they're going to maintain their culture and power and control, it has to be a Dubaian. In America, you've been the okie doke. It's not about religion. It's not about speaking in tongues. It's about power in the world and in the church. It's about power. 
so you don't understand the cold words. So they don't call you in. They say, uh, uh, Medicare. Or they'll say welfare. Or they'll say high crime. And you don't understand what they say. Those are cold words. Because they know you assume if they say in. But the goal and objective is still the same. And the church is caught in this whirlwind. And white people, particularly poor white folk, they are caught in this whirlwind. And black folk and people of color, they don't care about that border and those people crossing the border. People have been crossing the border since uh, Christopher Columbus discovered America. That's how the Europeans got here. They crossed the border. Nobody care about the border. They're not talking about securing the border. The issue is, is, is that it is more colored folk crossing. The, if they were so concerned about the border, then secure, secure the border in Canada. And how is it that Canada, which is a cold country, and Mexico, which is a warm country, how is it that Canada has so much more money in commerce than down south in Mexico because it's about not color. If it was about color, then every white person would have money. It's about power. Whether it's in the secular world, help me Jesus, or in the church. Would my white brothers, leaders in this community, would they come here? Yeah, they'll come if I would relinquish my power. If they could come and be the boss and I sit on the corner and be a boy. But you're not going to hold a meeting on these grounds and I don't have nothing to say. You're not going to come in here and treat me like I'm a guest. So I don't get offended because I understand he's not a bad guy. He's, he's just been conditioned whether he's a preacher or not. He's been conditioned to stay in power. And so for some of you, when you're overly ambitious for power, you'll even try to act like somebody who's oppressing you if you think it's going to give you a bigger pork chop. Nugget number two. You'll even deny your own people and think you're better than them because you got more than them. <laughs> because the landlord, the landowner 
have discovered that he can trust you to keep your brothers and sisters in check. Well, I'm not here to keep you in check. I'm here sent as a messenger from Almighty God to teach you the truth so that you can be free. And to tell you that whatever the landowner owns, you can own it too. And so that's what's going on in this world today. It's about power. And people who have been dominating power are a little concerned now because it looks like on the horizon they perhaps will have to relinquish a measure of power. And they'll kill you. They will take their gun, shoot you in the head, and think they've done the will of God. Ah, God, I wish I could preach to you and teach you. That's why slavery was so successful. It was sanctioned by the church. You never would have had slavery in America without the church. That was the fight in America and, and, and Europe. Is that, uh, boy, how do we, you're not here to get a history lesson. Nugget number two. The devil loves it when we're ignorant. Because when we're ignorant, we fight one another. And we make everybody else rich but ourselves. Ready? Nugget number two, read. Let your what? In the spirit. Nugget number three. Number two. What number was that? Okay, nugget number two, please. Oh, you got to grab. You have to grab this. Read it again. Everything we know through our five senses is in a state of change and decay. Nugget number three. I got plenty more, but I'm just going to stop at three today because I want you to, you know, uh, go home before it gets too hot. Nugget number three. Read that again. Precious Holy Spirit, I acknowledge that you are the great and mighty teacher. And I've been guilty. We have taught our people so many untruths. That though they no longer have chains on their ankles, but they still, many, have chains on their minds. And so I come today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting the anointing of God to destroy every yoke, every burden. I pray, God, that the people under the sound of my voice and those who are watching around the world, that the spirit of freedom spirit of liberty that only comes from God 
empower us so that we can be a free people exercising our God-given talents and live the life that Jesus paid the price for us to live the good life. So we cancel and we reject the bad life. And by faith, we open our mouths and declare that the good life, the God kind of life, it is ours for the having. And today, we have decided as a people, we will have everything that Jesus Christ the head of the kingdom has made available for us to enjoy. We are, somebody say we are, I am. I am more than a conqueror. Nothing can defeat me. Nothing, 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 nothing can stop me. I can do I can have, I can be, I can go everywhere God's ordained me to go. In the name of Jesus, I command lack and insufficiency. In the name of Jesus, I command low self-esteem. In the name of Jesus, I command negative thoughts to be far from my life. In the name of Jesus, I am right now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am right now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And whatever I put my hands to, it will prosper. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. If you believe that confession, give the Lord praise and thank you. And you already know what I'm going to say next. You didn't say nothing, you don't get nothing. So don't get mad. Hallelujah. When the boatload of blessings, amen, rest on our lives for your observation. Because we said something. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The word of God says, if any two of you shall touch and agree, it shall be so. Just touch two or three people and tell them it is so. It is done in your life. What you confess, I agree. It will manifest in your life not many days from now. Jesus' name. Boy, something's in here, isn't it? I said something's in here, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Glory to God. You're going to start that business. And you're going to be successful. You're going to get that property. Hallelujah. You're going to get that, that apartment building. You're going to build and you're going to own, amen, that hotel, that motel. Yes, you are. You're going to start that restaurant and it's going to be successful. You're going to open that dealership and you're going to be successful. You're going to start that new company and it's going to be successful. They're going to come from the north, the south, and the east, and the west. They're going to buy from you when they'll buy from nobody else. The hand of the Lord is upon you, and that hand of God is upon you to make you prosper to the glory of God. Hallelujah to Jesus. 
Glory to God. If that bank you went to last said no, go to another bank. Somebody going to say yes. Because God has already said yes. Hallelujah. Please have a seat. Don't push me. Go to the first synoptic gospel. I promise you I won't. I, get the, I got about 20 minutes. I don't believe I'm going to use all of them. But I trust that you'll, you'll, you'll be blessed. Now, now, I'm going to read something that you've read many, many times. And I don't want you calling preachers or throwing stones at preachers. Because once you really get the true revelation of what Jesus said. Uh, and the reason you can't, you can't uh, get mad or throw stones at a former teacher or pastor, whatever you had, is that they were operating into the measure, I assume. They were operating in the measure and to the degree of revelation that they had. And the reason, oh God, can you all handle this? The reason, by and large, in the church, particularly with black pastors, it taught the parishioners to shout and to dance, but it did not instruct them on how to prosper. And so over a projected period of time, they thought coming to church was a place you came to feel good. And it's because at that time we needed it because we are descendants of slaves. And, and so when we came to church, we didn't want to come to church and feel like we were working. Are you, that's why, by and large, uh, in, in a predominantly colored congregation, there's a lot of emotions and expressions. And that stems from where we came from and our plight in this country of being descendants of slaves. Are you all listening to me? Also, part of the worship was culturally passed down from Africa. That's why you can go to most islands of the sea, particularly in the Caribbean, and go to a church service, and it will have great similarities when they are expressing themselves like it would if you were at a, a seance of a witch or a warlock. They all danced. They all had verbal expressions. Are you, are you, are you all listening to me? And so these things were passed down from generation in church and because it was said and done in church we took it as being Bible but notice all the years that you were getting Bible it never changed your economic condition because you were being indoctrinated with a slave gospel which conditions your mind to be content with somebody on your neck with the hopes that you'll be blessed for being submitted to perversion and ungodliness and hostility because your blessing for being compliant, your reward for being compliant as a slave is when you get to heaven. So when the preacher didn't preach to his congregation like that, the, the landowner, the slave owner, would get rid of that pastor and tell him, change the text. Well, I'm here today 
in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of heaven and earth to say I'm changing the text to the right way it is supposed to be ministered. Because when you, listen to me, when you get true gospel, it does not put you in bondage. It sets you free. And it's not God's will for you to dance. And after you get finished dancing, you stay broke. Ooh, Jesus. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus did not come to give you a shout and a dance like a narcotic. To numb you to your condition. But Jesus came. He said, it's important, it's expedient that I go away to the Father because if I don't go, the comforter will not come. But if I go away, he will come and he will endue you with power. So the Pentecostals still with the slave mentality, they thought the power of the Holy Spirit was just speaking in tongues. So they spoke in tongues, went home, broke. And Jesus, when he sent the comforter, he didn't send him to just cause you to speak in tongues. As a matter of fact, speaking in tongues don't mean anything if you don't understand what it's for. Uh, come here. Give, give him a mic. Just, just start speaking. Mbote, sangonini, boza boni yao. Ngana za bia, na sepeli mingi ipona za awana bino. Ah, boza penza mayele. Okay. Nobody's giving an expression. Nobody say amen. Nobody's doing nothing. How come you're not moving? He's speaking in tongues. I said he's speaking in tongues. And to you it's unknown. So what is it profiting that he's speaking in tongues if that's all he does? In the book of Acts, boy, I'm way off now, but in the book of Acts chapter 2, when the Bible talks about that on the day of Pentecost, that there came a, 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 rise, a, 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 a move of God like a mighty rushing wind that sat upon each of them, including Jesus' mother. And they were endued with power from on high. And they began to speak as the Spirit of God speak again. Thank you. So the Pentecostals that we call Pentecostals, they thought that's all it was. So they sought tongues. So they would confront you and say, have you been filled? Do you speak? 
as though there was something mystical about speaking. Can I jump down one time? So they would see you on the street and you say, yeah, I love Jesus. Did you speak in tongues? And so you saw tongues. So they had a church full of people, preach, boy, preach, who could speak in tongues, but they had no power. They had no power because the preacher didn't teach them that power was available. And the sign that you had the power was that you speak in tongues. Thank you, thank you. No, if you're going to do it, yes, sis. If you're going to do it, do it right. Somebody's getting it. So the only way you would know that somebody had been endued with power because you couldn't see it. You couldn't smell it. So the only way you would know they had, were endued with power is how? They had to speak in tongues. Okay, this, this, this will help you. This will help you. Uh, in the Western world, in the Western Hemisphere, uh, this denotes what? So when you see this, what do you think? Come on, talk to me. That I'm what? So you don't even have to know me. But if I show up in a certain place and you see me and you say, man, who's that handsome bald head guy? And then, uh, you know, I'm doing something, you, you know, you're looking, and then I spin around like this. And then you say, oh, Now, come on now, this is a lesson. You don't even know me, but you've made judgments. Why? Because this says, okay, so now take it off. So I got issues with these brothers who don't wear their ring. I mean, if you can't, you go get a bubblegum machine. You know, get something, get a wire, get, Get some copper and get, get a piece of aluminum and put, put something on it. You know, they got a song, I'll put a ring on it. I'm, I'm talking to the brother. I know that song was to the sister telling the brother, but now I'm telling the sister, tell her, put a ring on your hand. My point to you is that, oh God, this is good. So now if you see me and you say, man, that's a decent looking guy. And I spin around and you say, man, I need a He's over in house seven. Let me move over toward that way. I don't need anything over there, but hey, he's over there. So you come over in house six where I am. You know, you know, acting like you're looking for some sardines. <laughs> or, you know, there's something on the top shelf and you're like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you know, want him to say, ma'am, can I help you? So he looks to see you're struggling to reach to the third shelf. You act like you got arthritis. And he said, ma'am, can I help you? Yeah, oh, yes, thank would you please? And so he comes over and he, you know, gets, how many cans do you want? And he gets, you know, three cans of Spam. 
And, and you say thank you. And he said, oh, I, I, I noticed you. <laughs> you did? Yeah, yeah, I noticed you. I, I noticed you in aisle three. Now we're in aisle six. <laughs> and so y'all, you, you all are conversating. And the only reason you're talking to him, because outwardly, you can't see any evidence. But with the ring or without the ring, still married. So when you get filled with the Spirit, you're filled whether you speak or not. But the speaking accompanies being filled because that's the only way other people will know that you are filled. And you're not filled to speak to one another when you get filled and do with power for an on high, it's not for us to come together and, and do gymnastics, speaking in tongues. The power comes to be a witness. And if you have no intentions of being a witness, you don't need this power. So some of you, all you're doing is speaking in tongues. Because you don't witness to nobody. So you speaking in tongues doesn't benefit nobody. And if you got power, none of us know it because you don't release it. All you want to do is come to church with other spirit-filled people and speak in tongues. So you get in their face talking about, come here. They, they look back at you and say, son of Mashiach. And nothing changes. Don't get offended. And some people, Minister Barrett, are really not speaking in tongues. They've just been around people so long speaking that they picked up a second language. Is this, is this helping anybody? Is this, is this helping anybody? So our challenge, as I close, our challenge, people of God, is that we're not getting the gospel that Jesus talked about. Now I don't have time to get in it because things change. That's why it's important. I hear these little kids. The little children that are in here, I'm, I'm, I'm so hopeful for them over us. If we can, on purpose, guard their minds from being indoctrinated at a formative age about who Jesus is. If you can just, in their formative years, if you can keep those pictures out of their faces. If you can, if you can just just for a moment, take a recess on giving them coloring books. 
that, that, that inspires them to color in the coloring book of a Jesus that doesn't look like them. Because when you do that, you are, you are indirectly, indirectly still conditioning your children for the next generation to operate like a slave. Can you all handle this? I don't, as much as I study and as much as I yield to great men of God over the years and women of God over the years who have taught me, some of the greatest people that perhaps ever walked on this planet in our generation, I've had the privilege of knowing them and literally get on the floor, my wife, I tell you, at their feet and sit for hours and don't say a word and just soak it in. But the challenge that we have and the challenges that you have is that when you think of Jesus, you think of that idol that you were brainwashed at an early age, that that's Jesus. And it always puts you at a disadvantage when you, when you get an image of God and he doesn't look like you. You're automatically, you're automatically giving your child an overdose of inferiority complex. Because you see, Jesus was a Hebrew. So how do we get from a Hebrew Jesus to a European Jesus? I was going to preach a message, but I haven't been bold enough. I'll get in my prayer closet, stay strong enough until I get enough power on me, and I can come out and teach you, because I want to preach a message on Jesus got hijacked. In the 1600s, Jesus got hijacked, because from the 1600s early on, Jesus didn't look like the Jesus you see. He looked like a Hebrew. The reason you struggle today, and even in Christendom, in the church we struggle, if you want to call it Christendom, is that everything we hear, it has to filter through all of these, these isms. The gospel changed because it was Romanized. And then after it was Romanized, it was Europeanized. And then after it was Europeanized, it was colonized. And then after it was colonized, it was Westernized. And then after it was westernized, it was Americanized. So that's why in America, the slave owner didn't feel like they were violating God because they were ministering from a perspective of the Western Hemisphere mindset. And they had changed the gospel that Jesus or that God was white. And every other person was subservient to the white Jesus where Jesus never was white. He was and still is a Hebrew. Now, some of you look like you're getting mad. I understand. You, you always had slaves who got mad. They were the ones who always went back and told that the master what the plan was on, on, on escaping. But you can go tell on me, just tell it right. Just tell it right. 
That's why you've been hearing messages after messages, year after year after year, and it done very little to change your life. Because when you think of Jesus, you think of that picture. That picture that looked like a sissy. With long stringy hair. With a halo. And they painted that picture and it was hard for you because it was hard for you to fight. Because the very people who were oppressing you looked like that picture. And the okie doke wasn't just on slaves. It was also played upon poor white folk. Because you don't have any excuse in America being white and being broke. You don't have any excuse for being a white man in America and not being rich. When everything is slanted your way. And I know why you're not rich. Because I know what you was doing in school. And in America, they had a, a system for that man, which they called a good boys, a good old boy system. No, you can't. Matthew 6. You see, when you hear true gospels, my sister, it sets you free. And I'm going to show you where it sets you free. Can I help you today? Something's wrong with your mind when you don't like you. Something has happened to you when you look in the mirror and you don't like yourself. Somebody has played with your mind when you look in the mirror and want to be somebody else. And it makes you really uncomfortable when you get around somebody who really like themselves. You walk away saying they're smelling themselves. I mean, it's something to be around a black person who don't want a smaller nose. I mean, it's something to be around a nappy-headed. And they don't want a jerry curl. And still think they're cute. I could go somewhere else, but I would lose half the sisters. You're laughing. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just simply saying, if we come back to the true kingdom gospel, then you will see black and white, brown and yellow, red and alike coming together around a message, a true message, because a true message of the kingdom, it causes unity, not division. Amongst believers. Are you listening to me? I don't have time. To, 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 to teach you how, how America, well, the, Amer the colonies, you all remember the colonies? The, what was it, 13 colonies? Yeah, how, how the colonies 
had a, had a fight and an issue with, with England, with, with, uh, with Belgium, uh, with the Europeans, because they said, if we let you all come over here and preach the gospel in the colonies, like you're preaching in Europe, then the slaves will think that they're equal with us. So they rejected the gospel in the colonies and told Europe to revise it. And Europe revised the gospel and presented to the colonies another gospel where that when the slave heard it, they would not revolt or go into a riot about them being a slave. So the new gospel that they all sanctioned, that had to be sanctioned in Europe and had to be sanctioned in the colonies, had to be a gospel that would make the slave compliant to his position because his position was ordained by God. And the master to be comfortable in his position because it was ordained by God. And the Europeans, amen, put a color coat over it to secure it until this day because they made it about color. And then you have the nerve to believe them when they say they don't see color. I don't want you to not see color. If you don't see color, you don't see me. I want you to be able to see me and still love me as your brother in Christ. Our time is gone. Uh, first and not the gospel, chapter, chapter number six. But I can tell you some things that is the truth, and it, it, would, just, it, would, just, it would just revolutionize you. Because you don't come to church to dance, and nothing wrong with dancing. You come to church to shout, nothing wrong with shouting. But you should come to get your mind renewed. Because if you get your mind renewed, you'll stop renting and you'll start owning your own. If you get your mind renewed. If you get your mind renewed, you won't be satisfied going into a deep sleep and don't own anything. You sleep too good to be broke. Are you in the first and not the gospel, chapter 6? Let's, let's close with this. Look at verse number 19. This, this, you've heard it a million times. Now a million and one times. Look at verse number 19. Because the title of the message was what? Where is your... Look at this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and what? But, now my Bible, if you got a Bible that's probably $10 or more, it's probably got uh, red. Because you just got to pay about $10 more because you got to have, you know, two colors of ink. <laughs> you know, to change ink colors more expensive. But this is Jesus talking, yes? Look what he says in verse 20. Look what he says. What does he say? But lay up for yourselves treasures. Man, man this will mess with a slave's mind. If you don't understand an exegesis text right, man, it's a mess you up. 
And we've heard it over and over and over and over. Let's go on. Where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves do not break in and steal. This is Jesus talking, yes? Last verse I want to read. For where you're there. How many of you have heard this passive scripture before? Keep your hand up if you've heard it more than once. If you don't exegese this thing right, man, this thing will send you down the wrong path. And you'll be broken, don't know why you broke. And you won't have anything and will think justifiably from scripture that that's just been God's choice for your personal life is that you're to be broke. This Western interpretation concerning this scripture is that treasures refer to money. Which is laid up in the world. That's what you think. Therefore, it is not security at all. Why? Because moth and rust or moth and rust can corrupt it. And thieves may break in and steal the money you got under your pillow or your mattress or in your shoe or in a can that you threw out in the backyard or in your sock that is in your bra. Some of the young folks are saying, what is, what is he, what is Pastor talking about? Your mama will tell you on the way home. No, no. When we read this with our Western mindset, we think you thought Jesus was talking about money. And preachers have used this passage of scripture over and over and over and beat the people over the head to give money. To get it out of the bank account, to get it out of your savings, etc., and give it to the church. This, this is truth. In this case, where symbols and figures of speech are used, the proper understanding of the scripture meaning is necessary. I said a whole lot in what I just stated to clarify what we just read. Jesus Christ was not referring to money. He was not referring to cash or British pounds or Japanese yen, or the Congo francs, or to the Mexican peso. Jesus, in this passage of scripture, Minister Clayton, was not talking about money. And I, we all perhaps have been guilty of taking this text out of context. As though Jesus was saying it was something wrong with you taking money and putting it in a savings or an investment. And he wasn't even talking about money in this passage of Scripture. And preachers there take this passage of Scripture out of context and made people feel guilty. And they would go get their savings or their investments and turn it in and liquidate it and bring it to the church. And thought in their minds that they were now laying up treasures 
And Jesus was not even talking about money. The treasure, look at it again. He says, do not lay up for yourselves. What? The treasures mentioned here simply means our thoughts. God, you got to get this. The treasures that Jesus mentioned here is not talking about money. It's talking about your thought life. Is this helping anybody? It should read, let not your thoughts be centered in the natural. But let your thoughts be centered and focus on the spiritual. Why? Because everything natural was first spiritual. If you get the spiritual thing right, the money will come. Because money is natural. So you pursue money, get very little or none at all, and the devil sitting in the corner just having a good time because he realized as long as you are pursuing money, you're going to always come up short. But if you pursue the spiritual, you'll get the money. So you don't go to the store and say, uh, I like to buy uh I like to buy the tongues on the shoe. You don't go into the store and say, man, man, I like the tongues on that shoe. Ma'am, sir, how much does those tongues cost? And the, and the, the, the person in the store looks at you like you're crazy. And so they'll say, wait a minute, did I hear you correctly? Because I didn't eat this morning. Did you say you wanted to buy the tongue, can I see your shoe? Is it safe? Okay. You know, because some people have holy socks. So he goes to the store and says, sir, I like this shoe, but I just want to buy the tongue. Man, look at that tongue. Man, look at that tongue. You just want to eat that tongue. Isn't that a beautiful tongue? They'll call 911 on you if you keep talking about you just want the tongue. Because they'll come to the conclusion uh, he's having more than just a bad day. I think there might be some mental issues here. Uh, Ma'am, yes, this is 911. Can we help you? Yeah, I got, a, I got a customer in my shoe store and they're adamant about buying a tongue. And we don't sell tongues. So the person on 911 on the other end, what do you call that person? The operator says, well, do you sell shoes? And you say, yeah, I sell shoes. And then she'll say, well, if you sell them a shoe, won't they get a tongue? And the salesman said, Thank you. Don't send the police. I got it. Ma'am, sir, 
those shoes that you, that, that tongue you want, it costs $69.95. And when you pay $69.95, ma'am, sir, I'm, I'm going to throw in a bonus. I'm going to give you the tongue. And I'm going to throw the shoe in with it. Do you get it? How many years have you been tricked trying to get money, trying to get the tongue? Working overtime, trying to get the tongue. Trying to get rich. Trying to make it. Here we go. Trying to make ends meet. Work overtime. Work like a slave. That's when I got something, I'm trying to hold it down. You see, you don't get rich in America by working hard. That's another trick. So I'm not mad at my white brothers and sisters who work hard and made it. And they'll tell you, I worked hard. But nobody worked harder than a slave. Nobody in this country ever worked harder than a slave. Not the people who just got here from Korea or Vietnam or Austria or Sweden or the Ukraine. Are you listening to me? From Argentina. I'm not knocking them for coming here and, you know, and making it, but nobody ever worked in the United States of America harder than a slave. And they did not get paid. What am I going to do with this tongue? I'm glad I got the right shoe because if it was the wrong shoe, you can't hold it this long. Thank you. Did you get the analogy? So you're going to have to switch paradigms and stop pursuing money. It will make you a slave. You'll work all your life and get old and won't have nothing. And what little you do leave, your children will spend it in a week. But you'll get all of that prophetess if you'll seek spiritual things. And most people in church are not hungry for spiritual things. Because the preacher have not adequately taught them how to hunger and thirst for spiritual things because he did not have the revelation of the benefit of when you pursue spiritual things, the natural things come along with it, just like the tongue with the shoe. Like if you ask for water, you get the wet. Come on, do it right if you're going to do it. So 
So we can say it like this according to Proverbs 23, 7. For where your thoughts are, there your heart will be also. For as a man thinketh, so is he. So we could say, yes, that where your thoughts are, there will your heart be also. Close. So your thoughts are not on Jesus. It's not on the kingdom. Your thought is on getting more stuff. And you're not really depressed. You're just mad because there's something you want you don't have. You're just mad at your husband because he had enough money to buy you the purse, but he didn't have enough money to buy you the matching shoes. So now you don't want sweet. Most of what we call in the Western Hemisphere that we're depressed and, you know, we're just, we're just kind of going, it's usually over something we want that we don't have. And it messes up our Christian testimony because we're pursuing money instead of pursuing God. And Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Now, I'm looking at some of you. You're not really convinced. And I understand it because you've been indoctrinated with an overdose about getting money. And you've pursued money so much, you have literally sacrificed your relationship with Jesus. You say, how can you say? Because you don't pray. And the only time you quote a scripture is when you're trying to exercise in front of somebody that you're smarter than them. That don't win nobody to the kingdom. Oh, God. Is this helping anybody? So we're to focus our thoughts and center our thoughts on spiritual things. But that's hard to do when you've never been taught that spiritual things are more valuable than natural things. And so you've been conditioned to think that your problem in society, in this country, in America, is material. And I'm here to tell you today that your problem is not material. Your problem is spiritual. Oh, God. You broke because your spirit is not focused right. You're on welfare. You're going to stay on welfare because your spirit is not right. No, no, no. You go to church, you love Jesus, but your mind is not being renewed according to the word of God. Your mind has been renewed with a, with a slave gospel. And Jesus didn't die for you to have a, a slave wage. Jesus paid a price so that you could live the abundant life. Hold on, hold on. And the abundant life is not out there. The abundant life is in here. And if you get this abundant, abundance will manifest out here. That's how we will know 
that you have abundance in here. Because we'll see it. That's how we know that you're filled or baptized in the Holy Ghost. We heard you speak with other tongues. That's how we will know that you're prosperous in the world or in the things of God is because we'll see it out here and it can't be out here unless it's in here. How many want to prosper and be all that God has called you to be? Put your hand up because you do. Don't hold your hand down and be lying. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And all I'm saying to you, you'll never do it until you make a commitment to transform your, transform your mind with the true gospel of the kingdom. And it's hard not to like yourself when you hear the truth. Jesus. And when you get full of the truth, you don't want to be nobody else but you. I don't understand how you can look at me and don't like me. I'm so full of the truth. Man, I like me. You see, some of you have a problem with me saying I like me. Don't you like you? See, that's not being my, that's not humble. I mean, you're either going to like yourself or you don't like yourself. And if you don't like yourself, why do you expect me to like you? I mean, if you don't like the way you are, then, then make all the changes you want, then come see me. But don't marry me, and t- then I find out you want to make all these changes. Because I like what I see. I don't need you to go get nothing cut off. I don't need you to blow nothing up. I'm married what I like. I don't need you to change your nose. I don't need you to bleach your skin. Are you listening to me? I like what I like. Now we're going to have issues because I like you. But we're having marital problems. Because I like you, but you don't like you. And because you don't like you, you think I don't like you. Jesus. And so when I make kind compliments or gestures, you can't receive it because you don't think you're worthy. Because you don't think you look good enough to receive that kind of compliment. So when I say certain things about you, what I like, you think I'm lying. You think I'm lying because you don't like you. Girl, I'm telling you, you look fine in that dress. Oh, this old ugly thing. And so you're constantly trying to change yourself to try to fit somebody else's image. Because you don't like you. I'm going to pick on y'all. Stand up just real quick. You, you, like, you like, like that hairdo, man? Huh? Why don't you look like she's from Ethiopia or something? Somalian. You, you like that look? 
She got them big old earrings on. You, you like that? You like that look? The kind of Afrocentric kind of look thing? Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't tell you to turn the volume up now. <laughs> you, you really like that? So my sister, you don't have any reason on earth to feel insecure when somebody walk by who don't even resemble you. Huh? Are, you, are you listening to me? Yeah, go for it, girl. <laughs> they don't know what to do now. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. Ooh, that's enough, that's enough. <laughs> Were you blessed today? Give the Lord praise and thank him for the word. Come on, you can do better than that. Now, some of you know, I didn't get where I really want to go, but we're going to go there Wednesday. It's going to change your life. Wednesday's going to change your life. Those who are tired of circling the mountain, and they're tired of talking about their prosperous, and they're tired of, uh, confessing I'm more than a conqueror and then go home and live in defeat I'm, I'm going to show them Wednesday how, how, how to change that narrative you know walking around acting like they're you know they're living in Romans 8 but they're really living in Romans 7 I'm going to teach you Wednesday night with the help of the Holy Ghost how to change this thing and get your focus on the right treasure and you're going to witness miraculous things in your life in the next two or three years. As a matter of fact, some of you are going to accomplish more in the next two or three years than you have accomplished in all your life with just a simple mind adjustment. Because that's what the real gospel will do for you. It'll change your circumstances. It'll change your situation. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.